Hello and welcome to Letters and Lines, a comics podcast looking at comics from the perspective of being a fan, a creator, and a critic. Before we dive into what we're actually going to be talking about in this episode, it's probably worth introducing who we are so you know whose voices you're listening to. So I'm Hass, I make Strip Panel Naked on YouTube, I edit the Eisen-nominated Panel by Panel magazine, and I write, edit, and letter different comics. And I'm Aditya, and I letter comics like Izola, These Savage Shores, and Void Trip. So each episode of the show, we bring two topics. So I bring a topic and the digital brings a topic. Um, but we've also got questions this week. So before we sort of explain the topics, should we answer some questions first? Sure, that sounds good. Okay, well, which one do you want to... St- we'll start with the one that's first. Um, that probably makes more <laughs> sense. So we had a couple of questions from... And this is a name that I'm going to definitely pronounce wrong. Um, Augie? I think, yeah, I think it's Augie de Bleak. Augie de Bleak, there you go. Um, so he asked a couple of questions. So let's go for the first one. So how do you pick a font for a project? Is it just a matter of knowing it when you see it? Do you have an idea what you're looking for before you start scrolling through your font list looking for something that fits was the question. Um, we did sort of talk about this, I feel like, in the first episode, which now feels like 10 years ago since we recorded <laughs> it. Um, but we yeah. did. We went through kind of like our lettering process, right, in that episode, and, and we kind of talked a little bit about where we sort of start and what sort of generates the first sort of uh, idea or process or whatever, right? Yeah, and uh, this is a particularly odd question because um, the font itself is sort of the most uh, nebulous thing, mm-hmm. I feel, uh, because uh, everything else that we talked about, like line weights and all of those things, can sort of be objectively derived from the artwork. Mm-hmm. But like a font is much more like I I know it when I see it. <laughs> right, 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 right. Right, and I think you develop a sense. Like I... Once in a while, I'll see a project lettered in a font that I just feels wrong to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm pretty sure, like, the other letter had a justification and they made a specific choice. Right. So I don't know if this is something that we can actually make an objective statement about at all, uh, the font specifically. But the rest of it, I think we talked about in our first episode. Yeah, I think the, f- the first episode, we basically spent, like, a really long time uh, yeah. going through, like, how we letter a project from sort of start to finish. So I think anything specifically, like, around the kind of uh, decision-making bits, um, probably the best thing to do is go back and have a listen to that first episode. So I feel like we got into that really... I mean, better than we could answer here, because we talked about that for, like, an hour in that episode. So if you want, yeah. like, a, a solid hour of two people talking about lettering comic books artistically, or from an artistic point of view, uh, that's probably maybe your only choice anyway. Uh, so try yeah. that episode out. Um and the other one, so the other ones, the other question, the other two questions are kind of more practical ones, maybe. Um, so this one was, how close do you get the tail to the mouth of the person speaking without looking like the character is throwing up a balloon? Halfway or three quarters? I feel like there's a rule, right? Uh, uh, yeah, and the rule that I heard was 60%. Right. And that's sort of the thing that I use, and that's what I mentioned to Augie uh, on Twitter. Mm-hmm. But also, like, more and more, especially after starting... Uh, lettering motor crush right i realized that it's actually as far as away uh sorry as far away as you can put it whilst it's still being clear that this is the person speaking yeah because with the motor crush i use these uh, stubby balloon tails like you know like you have in manga mm-hmm. and i realized that that's actually the thing like all that you need to know is who's speaking so as long as that's not confusing uh nothing is too short but obviously the other way doesn't work because like some things can be too long and as augie mentions that you can you can look like you're throwing up a balloon yeah i think i I think it maybe it's it's jim campbell's guide or maybe it was nate uh from bland bot who said it was something like uh two-thirds or something i think was the rule that's always been in my head um 
But you're right. Like if you look, if you think of like manga, there's oftentimes a manga where like there isn't even a tail half the time. Uh, yeah. And as long as you're aware, I think the rule is as long as you're aware who's who's speaking. If you can get away with that, and it kind of fits stylistically with the artwork, I think you could get away with as short as possible. I was the motocross example was the one I was going to bring up from your stuff, uh, which has quite like quite stubby balloons, and often, not often, but there is quite a few situations in that book where the balloon is like far away as well from a speaker. Yeah, and that's something that we do kind of uh, when we are revising the lettering on that book. That's sort of the first thing, first thing that we consider mm-hmm. because, um, like, we don't want things to be ambiguous when they don't need to be. Yeah. Uh, so, like, that's the first thing that we do because we are all fairly conscious about the fact that the balloon tails are quite short. Yeah. So we make sure that, like, most of the lettering edits happen because um, somebody on the team thinks that, you know what, that bit's not entirely clear, so let's just, you know, move the balloonist coach to the left or something like that. Right, right. make it absolutely clear. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I think once in a while, we like, we've rewritten dialogue to kind of make sure that that doesn't happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. that's something we talked about in, I want to say the first episode as well, uh, was this because I I think we talked about motocrush a little bit in that and about kind of sometimes there's like requirements or or decisions that have to be made kind of early on in the process if you're when you're working with a creative team right you know if you want if you want to kind of if you're doing something a little bit different with a lettering it's something that might that might want to come up a, a bit early in that process um, yeah, so you can yeah. kind of work with that yeah for sure yeah and so the third question from Augie was when putting a balloon up against a panel's border when do you decide to erase that section of the border and when do you keep it in is it just whatever style you decide on does it need to be consistent should we just leave that to john workman mm-hmm. so obviously this is obviously the john workman thing um yeah. of, of kind of like opening uh, balloons up on against the panel borders um yeah now from like i'm trying to remember because i because i do this in a couple of books and i'm trying to remember uh that i think i maybe use the the jim campbell rule which I call the Jim Campbell rule just because like I've read so much giant days, uh, yeah. which, which does the same, the same thing. And I'm, I'm like 99% sure that the rule that I stole from, I, that I think Jim uses on that book is, uh, if there's two balloons, if there's if two panels that are next to each other, we're just a gutter separating them and they're both going to have an open, uh, balloon, um, cut one of them off because otherwise it, it will look like it's one thing kind of uh yeah. falling into the next panel um, yeah and i i sort of take that a little further because mm-hmm. uh, so in on most of my books i actually do the same thing and uh, when it comes to which balloon to cut off i i will basically cut off the first one rather than the second one right uh, and the reason for that is that i generally don't like balloons opening up to the bottom border okay because it feels like the words are about to fall down <laughs> right, right okay so my personal yeah. rule tends to be that i open up to the left right and top but i try to avoid opening up to the bottom and right. especially if um, there's going to be two like sort of balloons next to each other that it needs to be clear that they're not the, you know by the same speaker or something like that yeah, yeah, yeah i will basically close up the top one rather like as in um, i'll close up the one above rather than the one below like mm-hmm. the one that comes to the bottom of the panel rather than the one that floats up to the top do you is that a is that a working thing? Like, do you know? Is I that something think we need to so. Share? Like, I've noticed that. Like, he does open up balloons to the bottom, right? Uh, but there's a lot of times when he doesn't, and I've tried to kind of figure out a pattern, and I think that's the pattern. Right, uh, right, right, right. Yeah, but I don't. I think it's a. I think it's a matter of taste because, uh, see, for example, on Graffiti's Wall, mm-hmm. uh, which was hand lettered, I would open up as much as I could, except when I didn't feel like, because I thought that that was a better, like, you know, that sort of slight randomness was a better 
thing for that book yeah. rather than actually having it systematized. Yeah, I mean, because I, I I don't follow the same rule of um, of not wanting to open things up on the bottom panels because like on the bottom border because I've done that in I think I've done that recently in Lone Ranger, for example. I'll open up the bottom. Uh, if there isn't anything below it to kind of cause any confusion, I don't. I don't mind too much about it looking like it's falling off, mostly because yeah. I hadn't considered that before. But <laughs> I do like yeah. I do like that as a concept. Yeah. No. So uh, there's a, there's one particular book where I do open up to the bottom, and that's for a specific reason. Mm -hmm. uh, it's it's being published next year, so I won't mention the name. <laughs> right. uh, but that book has a lot of very thin panels. Mm -hmm. So some uh, basically panels that would run like around four lines of text, maybe. Mm -hmm. That's it. And there, I loved the idea of opening up the same balloon to the top and to the bottom. Mm -hmm. And that's why, like, I, I, for that book, I open up to the bottom as well, because I wanted to have that and then uh, not have it feel weird over the rest of the book. Yeah, right. Because I, I do that on a book, which uh, I won't name what it is, because, again, it's not out yet. But I do that on a book which has... Um, the kind of like European, uh, like rectangular boxes, right? Um, yeah. In a again, like kind of like a hand-drawn style. But I, what I really like about those is, is playing with ways of like not just having a circular um, balloon that just kind of butts against the panel border and then opens, but like using almost creating like a separate set of like negative space or something um, that plays against the edge of the panel borders in kind of interesting shapes, uh, which yeah. I feel like I can get away with more in a rectangular balloon than I can in a you know in like a kind of a spherical one. I don't know if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, I see what you mean. Um, also, like, here's an odd question: When <laughs> right. you open up to the, you know, uh, you know, to the gutters, right. uh, how do you kind of stack your text? Like, how do you align your do you align your text to the uh, panel border, or do you align it slightly below that as usual? Because I see both being done, and uh, one of them feels right to me. One of them doesn't quite. I do it. I do it. Not I. I do it somewhere in between those two things. I don't. I don't think it looks right to me to to line it up in the same way that I would do it if it was uh, if it had the 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 panel border as a as a hard edge. But right. I don't. But I don't sit it all the way up as though uh, you know as though as though the the outer edge of the panel border is the hard edge. I can, mine fits somewhere just in between. Like if you if you switched it so that it had it suddenly had a hard panel edge, it would right. feel too close, like uncomfortably close. The text would be uncomfortably close hmm, to the panel. That, that's, that's interesting because Workman definitely aligns it to the panel edge. Right. Uh, and I actually kind of do what you just said, which is like somewhere in the middle. Right. Most of the time, I, I see. I I think I go for like effect every time. So like mm -hmm. whatever conveys the effect that I want better right. is sort of the one that I do. I think for me, it just it just looks it looks more right <laughs> in right. terms of like space around the shape because I think. I think I kind of feel like the 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 outer edge. So you know, kind of where the the balloon stroke ends on the outer edge of the panel border is, right. you know, that's the edge frame. So I kind mm. of imagine like a, a like a kind of I don't. It's I mean I don't really imagine that. I just that, I guess that's just what it kind of does in my brain. But like there's a little. I feel like there should be kind of like a sliver. Of, right, of, a little give between the two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't want it to be flush but i don't want it to be all the way down because then it just feels really weird to me yeah. like i don't know to me it feels too weird to have all that open space if you're not going to like do something with it definitely definitely yeah makes sense makes so sense we've answered that one i feel like <laughs> so, yeah, thoroughly 
Yeah. Uh, so then we had, we also had a question from Elliot Cole who said, is there a book slash guide slash YouTube channel that is actually a decent guide for someone to start drawing who basically cannot? Someone who would like to draw beyond school kids' house picture level. Nice. Uh, asking for a friend. Um, you, you, I think you already had a recommendation for this, right? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, uh, I don't think either of us actually draw, uh, but <laughs> no. I have taken a lot of art lessons. Uh, mm -hmm. I just I'm just happened to be a failure. Um, so the, the, the one that felt the most approachable to me and the one that uh, uh, somebody else recommended on that thread was uh, Stan Prokopenko, who runs a channel, YouTube channel called Proko, mm -hmm. which um, firstly, it's entertaining. So it's just nice to watch. It's not boring. And he basically conveys a lot of fairly simple concepts in a very clear way. And he illustrates them very well. So mm -hmm. I would say if you're just starting out, that's great. Then, uh, other than that, I think there's the standard Andrew Loomis um, books. Right. And there's a couple of books on anatomy that I downloaded recently that seem to make the point quite well. Let me see if I can. Well, I mean, I, the only one really that I could recommend, uh, which I guess right. is the, the really obvious one, is like the uh, How to Draw Comics the Marvel Way. Ah, right. Yeah. yeah. I think, uh, so Jason Piperberg, I think, also replied on the thread, right. and he recommended that book as well. Right. Yeah, it's, you know, it is what it is. Uh, <laughs> but, it, but it has, like, the fundamentals, you know, like, the stuff that I always remember from trying to figure out how to draw and then never being able to succeed, which is not, obviously, not a glowing recommendation for a book. Um, but, you know, like, all the stuff, like, kind of, like, the, the, the seven heads of tall and proportions based on the head No, it's got all of them. Okay. Yeah, it's got that, you know, it's like, like muscle, like muscular to character, like figure, I don't know, you know, muscles, it tells you how to draw, um, but it's it's not like a, it, it, you know, it assumes a level of vague competence, I think, at least, the how to draw comics the Marvel way. Um, you, I, you couldn't just like have it not knowing how to, like only being able to draw stick men and you wouldn't be, I don't think you could pick that book up and just be like, yeah, okay, cool. Yeah. Um, but there's, there's, yeah, I think, I think there's there's enough in there i mean you're the, i haven't heard of the youtube channel that you mentioned no it's great i've actually i watch it just like to entertain myself once in a while it's pretty <laughs> right yeah. well that's probably a good place to start i guess yeah so that's uh, the youtube channel proko p-r-o-k-o right we'll, we'll stick a link to it in the um in the like the show notes as like well. we ever actually do that <laughs> If we remember to do that, it'll be in the show notes. Um, and then we had one last question from Caffle Donovan O'Neill, who said, I'd love to try lettering, but I can't find a cheap way to get into it. How can I go about this? Right. So well, I think we answered that in the first episode as well, to mm -hmm. a degree. Uh, but basically, no, actually not the first episode. I think it was the third or fourth episode. Uh, but basically, you should look up Jim Campbell's lettering guide. And he basically delineates everything that you'll need to get started. Um, and I think that you will have to invest in Adobe Illustrator, uh, but since it's now on a subscription model, I think it's a little bit more cheap to kind of get started. Mm -hmm. Although I have heard that, again, I think I mentioned this earlier, that Affinity Designer is kind of getting uh, to be uh, a reasonable rival to right. Adobe Illustrator and is much cheaper, mm -hmm. so you might want to start with that. Um, I would say that's basically it, because you just... Um, the actual act of lettering just comes through practice. So all you need to know is actually like how to do it technically. Right. After, yeah, I think, after that, everything is just practice. Yeah, I think, I think you know, if you don't want to necessarily uh, invest like straight up in Illustrator, uh, I don't know if Adobe, do, Adobe probably does like a, a week free trial or something of, of Creative Cloud. I'm sure they'll do some kind of free 
uh, trial, maybe. Um, but yeah. if not, just kind of Googling for, uh, you know, freeware or free uh, sort of vector vector design programs. There'll yeah, be some there's, software. There's, a soft, there's a software called Inkscape that's actually open source and a vector design software. Right. Uh, I tried it like three or four years ago, but it's uh, I, di- I didn't enjoy it. I didn't like it. <laughs> right, right, right. But it'll, I think if you know if you if you just want to kind of get into it and give it a go, it's you know that's probably looking for a, a kind of free version of that might right. just do the job. Um, and in terms of of, of fonts uh, designed for comic book lettering, uh, Nate Blam, Nate Piecos, Picos. I always get his name Picos. I always get his name wrong when we do the show. Um, on Blambot, there is tons of free dialogue fonts that he's got on Blambot, um, and they're yeah. free if you you know just for making indie comics and things like that. So uh, you can actually make a comic uh, with one of his free fonts, um, yeah. and they're really and good as well. Mention... Pardon me. I was say they're really good as well. They're, they're like his free fonts are, exactly. are decent. Exactly. Like I was going through his uh, website uh, because he has a sale on right now, mm-hmm. and I ended up downloading a bunch of free fonts because. I was like, I'd forgotten how good the free ones were as well. Yeah. Because I just ignored them because you have to buy a license for them separately, right? Yeah. So, but, so I, just, I just downloaded a bunch of them to play with and I was like, these are really cool. And his, and his, uh, his fonts um, are cheap anyway. <laughs> yeah, they're like $25, $30. Yeah. As opposed so to, to the get... uh, slightly more expensive ones on, by other nice i like how you phrase that nice yeah i actually i actually had a uh, like i was i was talking to nate about them at some point of time and i did this thing of like you know uh you know how dc used to be called the distinguished competition yeah uh i my made up one of those about the other one and i forgot what it was like, I <laughs> we can can we we can say what it is we're not like sponsored by blambot or anything <laughs> you can if you want we're not saying why are we saying it I don't know. I thought it would be funny. That's all. <laughs> well, I'm not, I don't want to say it now. There are other. I feel like it's like the BBC, where if we promote one thing, but there are other reputable uh, font websites to get comic book fonts, from. which are also good and who have uh, sales going on as well. Uh, right. Just not at the moment. Yeah, they have a yeah. they have a New Year sale. The New Year sale I'm, is is really it's almost worth waiting. Yeah. <laughs> just just for the New Year sale. The New yeah, Year I think, sale. Yeah, I think I've bought like one font outside the the New Year sale. Yeah. Before. It's always it's always you know like a really specific thing as well that you'll only use once. Yeah, and uh, but but I do uh, I do subscribe I, I do their one year subscription, mm-hmm. uh, and that, that's pretty good because that's like a hundred and twenty nine dollars for twelve fonts. Right. So that turns out like that's a that's pretty good. Yeah. So you can I'm sure you can figure out what that is. Uh, <laughs> but if not, just Google comic book fonts, and I'm pretty sure it'll be like one of the first things that comes up. Yeah, their website is actually comicbookfonts.com. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Um, so that was all the questions that we had. Uh, so we can officially start the show like 20 minutes in. Um, so uh, we bring a topic each. Uh, my topic this week um, is on working on comic pictures that no one sort of really uh, maybe is ever really going to ever see. Um, and what that, why that is part of the process, and kind of little bits and bits and pieces around that we can talk about as well. Yeah, and my topic comes at the topic of futility from the different a uh, different end, and it's about retirement plans and career options in comics in the long term. Okay, so if we begin with my topic, which was about uh, working on comic pictures, so this is like a weird uh, thing that happens in the in the comic industry where essentially to get your book picked up you know not 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 like a hundred percent uh rule but most of the time chances are that 
what people do is they put together kind of like a pitch package of a comic. So maybe it's like five pages um, of art and, you know, like a little kind of a pitch document that explains what the story is and what happens, the characters, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I'm sure if you're listening to this, uh, you may have already done a pitch package <laughs> or you probably read enough to understand how that works. But essentially, if you want to get your book picked up by uh, an indie, like, you know, like an like image or something like that, you'll put together a kind of a, a pitch anywhere between a handful of pages to like a full issue. Um, and then you'll kind of, you know, you'll shop it around to, to publishers and editors and, and show your work. And so as part of that, what you do is you, as a letterer, end up working on various different sort of almost like five page uh, sample things of, of books. And then you do all this work and you figure out these kind of style guides and approaches to comic books. Um, and then as, you know, tends to happen, not a lot of these things necessarily get picked up. Um, I can't, I, I, sometimes it, like to think the ratio of pitches made to pitches that get picked up is, must be the, probably the worst like pickup rate in, in anything. Um, so you, you think, kind I of think end up probably, uh, Hollywood screenplays probably rival that, but, uh... <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, but you, so you end up working on a lot of different, uh, uh, you know, five page sort of. Um, stories that you don't necessarily ever get to finish, uh, you don't necessarily ever get to do more on, uh, and I, like that, I always found that kind of like this weird because it's this weird thing that like uh, a lot of those things don't ever get seen either. Like the, I've worked on a whole bunch, and I'm sure you've worked on uh, a substantial amount of pitches, and some of those aren't gonna, they're not, they're just gonna go somewhere in an editor's email. They're not gonna, they're not gonna get picked up, and then that's kind of it, right? They kind of just disappear. Yeah. And so whatever you've done in that book, just sort of. It's almost like it ceases to exist to anyone apart from, you know, you and the and the creative team. Yeah, yeah, and, so, and it's kind of on. sad because like sometimes you've done really good work on that because <laughs> right. um, with pitches you tend to get a lot more time than you do for issues. So mm -hmm. uh, you you've generally tried to kind of figure out an interesting style and you've done like a couple of snazzy things and then nobody sees it apart from like three people. <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 weird. So the, um, the reason I wanted to talk about it because it, it sort of ties into uh, the second topic we'll talk about as well. Yeah. Um, but the reason I wanted to talk about it was because I think there's a lot of stuff, and we maybe we touched on this in, in another episode before. But there's kind of like all this little, all these little bits and pieces that you that you do in comics that you wouldn't necessarily do, I don't think, in like another job. And so actually, you're doing like a lot of work, and yeah. it's not it's not necessarily for anything in the end. Do you know what I mean? It's almost like, the, it's not like a futility to it, but it's like you're doing something that is not really ever going to be seen by anyone. And yet what I thought was interesting about that is that often I find pitches are some of the best opportunities, like you said, because you usually get a, like a fair bit more time working on them to yeah. do something a bit more, uh, to do something a little bit different or to have more time to play around with something or, or really try and, and, and change something because it's so early on in the process at that stage that you're not working to a monthly deadline yet. You're not, uh, you know, you're not, you're not handing over something to an editor who might only have like a day to give you feedback and changes and stuff. Um, you're so you, you've kind of got this completely open landscape to play around with it. And most of the time as well, uh, you know, you, the people that you're doing this for is not, is, is, is a, a writer usually. Yeah. Um, but it, what I mean is someone in, it's someone in that creative team. It's not an editor. It's not a publisher. It's, it's just someone else who's trying to make something really cool as well. And so you almost get like a lot more leeway than you would necessarily with like a, uh, you know, a, a licensed book or whatever. Um, so I find those, that, that, like those two, those two things weird, like the, 
the thing that's like actually is anyone really going to see this because the likelihood of pictures getting picked up is, is quite low but yeah. also you do the kind of it gives you the opportunity to do the kind of wackier or or sort of more uh, extravagant work does that have you found this the same do you like does that what is that what happens with the, the pictures that you tend to work on i think so because um a lot of the time uh, i will find myself uh, regretting decisions i made in a pitch afterwards <laughs> right. because uh, i had a lot of time to letter the pitch while i don't necessarily have a lot of the time a lot of time to letter the actual issue when it happens right uh, so uh, yeah like i i do like just statistically speaking i think i play around a lot more in pitches and secondly and i think uh, slightly more importantly for me uh, mm-hmm. the thing is i don't stop thinking about lettering and different things I could be doing uh, ever but um, <laughs> I'm generally like if I'm lettering say issue eight or something mm-hmm. that's a style that I set at least eight to ten months ago right right so pitches are where I actually get to figure out where I am at the moment yeah because in most of my actual ongoing books I'm lettering in a style that I you know past me decided so like mm-hmm. present me gets to express himself in pitches most of the time <laughs> uh, you know I like so, that yeah so that's I think that's interesting like oh, that's actually why I like doing short stories and one shots uh, mm-hmm. because you can experiment a little more and pitches end up like that a lot of the time sadly so right yeah but I mean it's always fun to kind of um, it's I, I really like doing style sheets like I really like mm-hmm. just sitting down with a like maybe an artist that I've never worked with and mm-hmm. looking at their style and kind kind of trying to figure out, okay, how do I treat this? Yeah, that's, I mean, that, cause that's what I was going to say as well is that the fun, the cool thing about pictures is, uh, is like you were saying that like, they are basically like a lot of the time we're going to end up basically just being short stories. And with that, it means that you get to do a few more of those than you would necessarily do. Uh, you know, you could, you can take on more pictures and you could take on like full monthly books. And therefore, that means that you have more opportunity to do something different every single time, uh, and and to play around with the and work with it. You know, sometimes if it's going to be a different artist in every pitch, then you've got a whole new set of like challenges and things to work mm-hmm. out and things to figure out and play with. And I really, really love that. Um, it's I, it's it's just like kind of a shame that a lot of those are going to stop because. I often find it's one of those weird things. I often find like they're the most fun because it's it's so new, right? It's so fresh every single time. Right. Uh, you're not getting six issues into a pitch. You're you're getting like five pages or twenty pages or whatever at most usually. Yeah, um, and you and generally you... don't have that sort of regret of like issue six and you're sitting there and you're like, why why does this character have this particular <laughs> style? I don't understand this. Why would I make things more difficult for myself? Right, right. And I wonder, like, because I. So I, because I've written a few pitches and submitted a few pitches and got uh, rejected for a few pitches. Um, and I, so I think as well, it's, it's interesting from like a, a writing side. So I imagine for the rest of the creative team as well, is that there is a similar, um, a similar feeling that like you get this opportunity to kind of do something different, do something different, do something different. I think probably the difference, uh, which is why I think it's, which why I think like doing lettering at the pitch stage is probably the nicest part of that process because I, I feel like lettering is maybe the least time consuming of all the different stages that are going to the pitch. 
Yeah, exactly. I was about to say that the pain that we feel is probably like fairly uh, small compared to right. like the writer and the artist. Like the writer's probably lived with the idea for years mm-hmm. and the artist has been working on it for like weeks or months, designing <laughs> yeah. characters and all of those things. And we just get, you know, we play around for maybe a day and then spend one more day actually lettering the thing. <laughs> uh, so uh yeah i mean uh, so there is a slightly um uh you know sort of cynical part of me that does look at pitch season as like okay that's a little bit more easy money like what do i need in the house now what can i buy with this money uh but but still like i always i always get attached like that might be how i mm-hmm. start but i always like because because for me the book is not the pages the book is the people that i talk to the you know right. the discussions that we had on all of those things and those are the things that make me feel sad about a book not going through like i might not mm-hmm. have spent that much time working on the pages themselves but uh, you know like i had uh, like so uh, i had a pitch recently that i mean it might still go somewhere but uh, it's a six page pitch and like the writer is a friend of mine the artist is like a like somebody that i've spent a long time talking about comics with and mm-hmm. then they made something together that they were really excited about put a lot of research into and so far it's not gone anywhere and that right. that's something that like every couple of days i'll look in my folder and let's see that one and i'm like yeah that should go <laughs> be nice you know? it's yeah i think it's cuz like cuz every with every new pitch uh even if it's like the same artist i want to try and do something different cuz the artist is usually not doing the same thing either like even if it's the same artist they're not just doing you know, they're not just doing, I'm just going to do my thing every single time, no matter what the book is or the pages are or whatever. Yeah. So you want to do the same thing as like, as a letterer. It's like, I don't just want to slap the same balloons on there that I would use for a different project, even if it is the same, the same yeah. artist. Oh, um, like, I, I think like it's, it wasn't a pitch, but like I did some, I did a pitch with, uh, with, with Pablo Clark, who I love, whose art style I, I adore. Yeah, he's really good. And then I did a, a one page short with him, uh, with him and Ollie Masters. And I did a, uh, the four or five page short for twenty four panels that um, that Ram uh, wrote. Oh right, and yep. each yeah, and each of those each of those things is like I've lettered him differently, yeah. uh, and it's just each one because he's doing something different in each one, and I'm trying to. It's like you know, uh, he, it's like he's like the lead guitar, right? And I'm kind of like the rhythm and bass or something. I'm trying, like I'm just yeah. trying to I'm trying to get in there and match the thing that he's doing this time, this like this solo or whatever. And I love that. I love that process. I love that like that thing of figuring it out. But then I think what it is is kind of. Because you want to put so much uh, sort of creativity and energy into that thing to make it sing, and you want to make it the very best that that thing could be at that time. Yeah. And then when when that pitch doesn't go anywhere, it's like, oh man, like ah. Oh. Yeah, like, no, that, <laughs> that that makes a lot of sense to me. Like I I remember um, I did a pitch with Anand Anand uh, mm-hmm. Radhakrishnan who drew Graffiti's Wall. Uh, yeah. I did a pitch with him a while ago, and for that I used a particular style. And then we did this uh, four-page thing for Bartkira, like the Bartkira mm-hmm. project. And I yep. used basically the same style on that. And then when it came to Graffiti's Wall, one of the reasons that I ended up hand-lettering it was that I didn't think that style would be okay. And mm-hmm. I was like, you know what, I, at the very least, I should create a new font for this. And then it just ended up something else. Uh, <laughs> but now we are working on something else. And it's probably going to come up for lettering in the next couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. And... I'm really hoping that my, the font that I'm working on right now gets done in time for that one because uh, I'd like to do something else on it, but like again, mm-hmm. something with my specific signature. And nice. that's some that's very interesting about like I mean that's just a pro, that's just a process of working with the same artist over and over. Kind of it's like a repertory thing because um, you don't want to do the same thing over and over. And I think 
partly working with the same people over and over gives you that freedom uh, right. because you know that those people will pull you back if you're making a fool of yourself. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. That's always useful. Yeah. Because yeah. it leads on to the, the topic of uh, of pitching stuff, of, of right. work, like the kind of like the, I don't know, maybe like the boring uh, sort of business side of, of like making comics. Um, in that, you know, unless you're unless you're kind of working, uh, you know, Marvel or DC or whatever, and as an editor, you're kind of constantly giving you enough work yeah. uh, every month on, on on the books that you're working on. Um, a big part of that, a big part of the process of, of making comics is like is making pictures, is putting stuff together and sending it off to someone and hoping that thing gets picked up, and then everyone that's working that book now has like an extra bit of income, uh, an extra book that they're all working on. Um, we talked about this very, very briefly before we, like, when we were just chatting about this episode of the show. Yeah. And again, I don't, I don't like, I don't have any stats for that. And I'm sure that it's it's becoming a lot wider now with Kickstarter uh, and people kind of like self funding books in the more sustainable way. Um, but there is a limited amount of comics that yeah. that will be out in the world. Uh, and the problem with that is the the writers who tend to be the names of comics hmm. um you know like the they're the people that you can sell the book off or whatever uh you want to keep using them as much as possible so a writer that is that has you know i don't know what you, i don't want to say broken in but like a writer that's track got record. published work right yeah there you go so a writer that's got a track record is therefore going to get more and more work likely going to get more and more work um which then again diminishes the pool of of potential projects or potential new people that can pitch and i think that's it's it's a difficult uh it's like a difficult thing to get into because it's you know if if and this might be this is not based on any like genuine research but more so than just me thinking with like a business hat on which is if you're a new creator that's got like an amazing pitch and you, you're going to pitch it to a company but also at the same time that company's got maybe three slots for new books and they get three new people who've got a proven track record that i've already got work with them themselves and they come to them with three books that maybe they aren't maybe those books aren't as groundbreaking or whatever as this book by this new creator what are the, you know, how do you feel about the chances of that new creator get book, uh, new creator's book getting picked up rather than the kind of like, you know, these are steady hands, three people we know we can sell these, like these books. It to me, it just feels like from a business proposition, you would probably want to just go with the three people with track records with that kind of, you know, decent books that that you feel confident will sell uh, rather than taking a risk on a new person, right? I, uh, you know, that's no, that's my cold hard business sense head. I think that's a little bit simplistic because. Right. Um, that's not that. That's not just like that's that's not the only way a business works. Like the the like a, a decent business person is also looking for, uh, you know, their rising stars that will basically make right. them money like five to eight years later. Right, right, right. Uh, you know, so uh, hopefully, like if there are three slots available, uh, this editor or this uh, you know publishing person will think that okay. Two of these will go to these people that I know will okay. sell a certain number of books. Uh, but yeah. one is sort of an investment in the future. So, right. I mean, I know I, I know so many people who, when they started out, they were selling like 4,000 copies of a book or like maybe mm -hmm. even like two or 3,000. But then like over, like over the years, they kind of became bigger and then their older books were re-released and then sold a lot more. So you're right. not only investing in the creators, but also in those books later, mm -hmm. you're taking a judgment call. And I think any decent publisher will have um, a little bit of uh, an eye towards the future. Right, and right, right. Secondly, I think uh, 
I think being part of comics is a lot about resilience that <laughs> <laughs> because this is like I mean uh, any writer like most comic writers will tell you that uh, just because they broke in once didn't mean that mm-hmm. they doesn't mean that they uh, you know won't later you officially like, stay in exactly like they yeah. I know people who've broken in like three or four times um, right, right 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 and so like so that resilience is also something that the publisher wants to see like they want to see that let's say I tell you that okay this comic is not something I wanted to like I, I I'm going to publish at all uh, but mm-hmm. let's say if you have something more on these lines please come back and then you come back like six months later and then right. they say that you know what this is exactly what we're looking for but we don't like this or this or that about the comic uh, you know keep coming and the fact is like if you, if you keep coming back like over the months and you keep showing them stuff you keep showing that that you're working uh, they're probably like they're also like you know they're looking for a guarantee that you're going to finish the book right mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. somebody who just keeps at it is going to be more likely to finish the book in the right. eyes of a publisher so i know um, some books where uh, the book was not picked up on the basis of a pitch but the writer or the artist just went ahead and finished the book mm-hmm. and then it was picked up by the same publisher right right so it's also an aspect of um, you know the publisher is taking a punt on you so you need to kind of make sure that uh, they feel confident in you right yeah so yeah i think that's a matter of just keeping at it and staying in and it might not work out the way you wanted like uh, you might have um send them a pitch which was like a 75 issue opus and they did not pick <laughs> right. that up and they picked up the four issue little you know jaunty yeah. little thing that you didn't really care that much about but yeah. i mean something worked basically well the 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 resilience i think is the thing what i was uh going to try and move us to because on that on that basis of the the sort of slots for a newer creator being obviously much much more limited um than uh, you know, a, a, a proven track record, a creator with a proven track record, um, is that you really? It really is like it really is a business of pitches, yeah. uh, and that's and that's that weird, which comes back to that main point, which is that weird thing of like you're just making these things that you do want to care about because you have to care about these things, Because yeah. I think you can you can tell you know if you get a pitch through or whatever you can tell if this is a, a thing where someone's like it's just like a throwaway idea and let's just make this thing and see if it happens. you can always get that sense from someone if. If this isn't the thing that they believe in, like if this isn't the thing that they think is going to like change the whole world, yeah. Um, and so you have to have that, and but but like it's that weird resilience you have to build up, where like okay, this is the thing I think will change the world, but also if this thing comes back and <laughs> and no one cares about it, like maybe I need to go find that next thing that's going to change the world. And I think that's the same thing with as how I feel. I don't, not that I think lettering is going to change the world, or uh, or that my that my lettering will change the world. Um, but I feel like that's the mentality you, you kind of almost have to build yourself up to, which is I think a very freelancer mentality and we've probably talked about this a bit like in the uh last episode we did about like burnout yes. uh, no and also it's 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 the mentality of somebody who wants a career like it's right you can't be a writer of one book that sells millions you like that's <laughs> right. a very rare kind of writer yeah, most yeah. writers will basically make a little bit of money on every book and that's how they make mm-hmm. a career mm-hmm. you know so that's i mean I'm, I'm pretty sure a publisher also wants that a publisher wants somebody who can give them six books not like one book Right, you know, yeah. So. I, I do. I, I, I when because I, I, I always think like I should have just done music instead because I always picture like the dream life of mine is uh, uh, is Hugh Grant in um about right. a boy. You know, where like his like his granddad like wrote like one <laughs> one hit wonder, 
and then he lives off that off the road. Yeah, his granddad it was like some his but yeah, Dara's granddad or something. Like because that's in music it can work, I guess. <laughs> but probably not in anything else. Unless yeah. you write watchmen, I guess. Yeah, exactly. And we all know how that ends. So. <laughs> well you talked about um you talked about like having a career. Yeah. Uh and that like I feel like that's kind of a good segue because that's totally. Sort of I, where I was actually going to use the music thing as a segue because one of the <laughs> somebody's granddad well, what... can make money of music is royalties, right? Yeah, that's the sort of thing we're working towards because we I, like. I can't remember if I ever asked you. I think like maybe I did ask you if you had like a plan. Yeah, no, I did. I did. So one, I think it was. It wasn't too long ago. I kind of said to you like, do you actually have a? You know, do you have it? Do you have an end game? No, I, yeah, <laughs> do, you and have, also, do, you a, do you have an out? Yeah, and also I don't shut up about it. I don't shut up about the the fact that I want like a, a not an exit strategy exactly, but <laughs> uh, a way to work less and make more money because I'm a lazy fuck. Right, yeah. right. So yeah, I don't well, this, think... yeah. I was like, well, this is your so that topic is is how do you, uh, you know, it's it's tough. It's difficult enough planning for like a retirement. I mean, it's, obviously, that feels like a very like a super long way off. Yeah. Um, but it's hard enough to kind of like think about planning for retirement in like a normal job or even in like a normal uh, freelance job. But I think it feel like I feel like in comics, especially lettering in comics, uh, is super difficult. Yeah. So. Um... There's a there's a bunch of reasons. That, uh, so for, oh, wait, firstly, let me let me discount stuff like insurance and all of those things that can kind of um, accidentally play a part in all of this stuff. Like, I mean, yeah. we all we all know stories of like um, older writers, uh, especially American writers, big surprise, um, of comics who need help because uh, you know their insurance doesn't cover something, or yeah. like they had some sort of. Uh, accident or like they lost their house and stuff and uh, the thing is that is a very scary place to be and that's what I'm sort of looking at and I'm like okay by the age of 50 I kind of do want to make sure that um, I know where the money for the rest of my life is coming from <laughs> right. and yeah, yeah. I might make more money than that but I should at least like if I decide at the age of 50 that I'm not earning another penny I should have made sure that uh, I can live from there to the end, sort of. Mm-hmm. And also, I think uh, I just, it, like, over the years, my leisure time is kind of becoming more and more important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea that I need to spend most of my time working or most of my time thinking about earning money is awful <laughs> because I hate money. Like, I yeah. hate having to think about it. So I would like to kind of get to a point where I don't have to think about it anymore. And mm-hmm. that's so that's actually why I've been constantly trying to look at like, okay, where am I gonna be four years from now? Where am I gonna be ten years from now? And obviously right. there's no easy way of predict predicting this, but I would mm-hmm. like to kind of stay in comics and I'd like to continue lettering. Um but my um current issue, like and this is you playing thera- therapist to me probably like <laughs> uh is, is that I don't like the idea that for every bit of money you make, you have to do a commissionate amount of work. Right. Uh, because that's not how a lot of other things work. Like, I would love for there to be a, a chance for me to, like, do some work now and keep earning money off it over time. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's just something that's been on my mind. And for letters, it's specifically kind of difficult because uh, most people don't offer you royalties. Right. You know, and yeah. a lot of the time it does end up being kind of hard fought anyway. 
mm-hmm. when you do end up having those. But I'm I'm sure that colorists would probably uh, say the same thing. So, yeah, it's yeah. it's it's probably worth just mentioning. I can't remember if we talked about it before, but it's probably worth just talking a little bit about uh, general money things because <laughs> I think that's important, yeah. um, especially for you know uh, if people want to get into comics or whatever. Um, is that especially lettering is 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 the least paid well apart from flatting uh, is the least uh, paid actually, part of I like think, I think some flatters do get paid more than letters. Well, there you go. So somewhere around the flatting up or down, depending on the project. Uh, but it's it's on the bottom set of the of the thing you see on the page. It's lettering is will likely be very at the very bottom or just above flatting, and usually just above flatting. Yeah. Um, and what usually what happens as well, almost almost exclusively, is. Uh, Writers and artists will get, uh, you know, a percentage so of royalties. So, you know, if a book sells really, really well, then that's really good for a writer and artist. Uh, colorists don't tend to. Um, I don't think and letterers, so, yeah. yeah, and letterers don't tend to, unless it's kind of like an indie project. So, like, I've worked on things that have given me a percentage of the book, and you've worked on things that have given you a percentage of the book. Yeah. Um, and that really does make, like, a, a huge difference, right? Definitely. I mean... Uh... Money-wise, so far it hasn't, I think, because, uh, <laughs> right. I, I mean, uh, it, it's come out to the same thing, except, here's the thing, okay. uh, let's say I got a, a X amount of money on a book that I did, like, work for hire, and yep. let's say so far I've also gotten X amount of money on a book that I did on a percentage, yep. I know that the first one is, that's it, like, I'm not going to get any more money, while yep. with the second one, if it gets reprinted, if it sells more, I will get more mm-hmm. money. Like yeah. it, it might be a little bit, but you know, it'll accrete, it'll accumulate, you know. Yeah. And let's say and I do six th- of those. Uh, yeah. That's like a little more money every every time. Mm-hmm. No, I I do think, uh, and I, I do think it's worth worth bearing in mind. So, in other jobs, in other industries, like so, I used to, when I was doing a lot more like corporate film stuff. Yeah. Is that with more experience and more and like a better reel, you 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 just charge more money. Yeah. Um, and people are tend to willing uh, willing to pay that because as as you get better, you get bigger jobs, bigger businesses, uh, and therefore they're willing to pay more for a better quality of product. Yeah, lettering isn't quite the same as that, and even and even when it is, uh, the difference between the kind of lower end fee and the the I've been doing this for like twenty five years and have changed the industry fee is not a substantial really. It's not it's not like a substantial leap. Right? Yeah, I think uh, I think that's actually a function of the field kind of um, adjusting and growing. Uh, mm-hmm. Because I think the fundamental reason that that difference is not there is that there was an entire there was a complete switch between modes. You know, like right. because uh, uh, we are talking about like. Um, the, all the veterans that we are talking about, they kind of came up during the hand lettering era, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, then, like, they had to switch to digital. Yeah. So there is that sort of uh, leap that uh, that caused, like, sort of a huge uh, devaluation of the work because mm-hmm. uh, partly, like, a few... Um, uh, okay, I won't name names here, uh, but like, <laughs> a few people decided that volume sort of, like, a, a better thing to play with than... Uh, maybe quality at times right so right. uh which is why like sort of the entire uh, lettering uh scene sort of crashed in terms of rates uh but mm-hmm. i think the digital lettering arena is slowly maturing 
and i think you can sort of like get a little more now but it's still going to be difficult and it's going to take time like i don't think right. uh, i think it's going to be like 10 more years before uh, i think like people like i i don't know like i don't know the name names again uh, but like right, right. Uh, the the good guys will get what they deserve like i mean right. the 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 good like the good letterers would get what i i feel they should be getting i think that's right. going to take like 5 or 10 years Um, and it, it's 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 a problem though as well, isn't it? Because you're sort of fighting for that bit. You're fighting for like we need these rates to be better. Yeah. Uh, but, but also, also you then work. right and that, yeah you, and then well, I was gonna say the, the the fight after that then is probably then percentages. Um, yeah. And percentages to me, like again, this is this is just to me and not having really spoken to anyone about it uh, uh, to change my mind and tell me it doesn't quite make sense. But percentages to me is is the more important one because that's the thing that essentially not. Not that the, not that one's less important, but to me that's the one that I would fight for first because the percentage for me is the thing that allows you to to increase your your rate essentially as time goes on. So the more work you do, uh, the and if percentage became almost like a standard, yeah. then the more work you do as time goes on, you're getting money in for for work you did before. That's just still generating money, which which the writer and the artist get, uh, and presumably makes life a little bit easier. Um, to have those things coming in as time goes on, you know, if you've got trades out and the trades are kind of just you know selling little bits and pieces. Uh, see, as they but go. but you do need to have a lot of patience for that because right, uh, like not every like let's say you have X percentage on a book and no upfront yep. pay. Not every book is actually going to pay you that much. Like let's say, uh, okay, uh, let's say you have um, a twenty-two page book. Right, mm-hmm. and X mm-hmm. is your page rate, right? Right. So twenty-two X is what you would be getting on a book, right? Yep. Now, yep. if you're working on uh, work for hire, then six of those would pay you twenty twenty-two X into six. Yeah. Right. Except if you're on a percentage, you're probably gonna end up with like, I don't know, sixty-six X or something. <laughs> right. Upfront, right. And then it's gonna probably take like two years for you to get the get the rest of the money. Yeah, what what I think what I think it needs to be is is like the I think there needs to be a page rate and a a small percentage. Yeah, yeah, I um, yeah, that's how I work on like a few comics. Uh, but yeah. the fact is that uh, that's also like I feel the 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 client is being kind, sort of. Uh, yes. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. because see, they are taking a lot of risk. With the book, mm-hmm. and you, if you want the long tail reward, uh, it would be very fair to for them to point out that you know what you're not taking any of the risk, so you should take some risk. <laughs> uh, right. I mean, obviously, reducing a rate, reducing your upfront rate is also a little bit of a risk, uh, mm-hmm. and like you, you are after all giving them the pages there and then. Uh, yeah. So I think I think it's a matter of like figuring out what works. So so I generally offer uh, like so people that I've been working with for a while, I generally offer them a three tier rate. That I I I basically tell them that okay, this is if you want to pay me upfront, this is what you pay me. If you want to mm-hmm. pay me completely back end, this is the percentage that I like. And if you want a mix of the two, this is what I like. This is the thing that I've used with a couple of other people. So you can right. sort of have that. But that I do only if I sort of like uh, if I've had a very long relationship personally or like and like uh, uh, professionally with somebody and. I sort of like I I feel like I can take a punt on them, you know. Yes. Yeah. 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 But I I think it's you know when we talk about like longevity, I think 
there are only there are only like a handful of things that make sense in terms of being able to do this for a for a career that allows you then to kind of like relax in the future uh, and have and have like a plan that means that you don't have to just be working until you know until the day that you die yeah. uh, because otherwise you've got no money and it is it is a you know having to be paid more yeah. um, which but that, I mean this is like, but this is not this isn't exclusive to to letters I you know this is a, this is a comics thing but it's also a wider <laughs> world thing. Yeah, um, no, I think um, it, it it might not be exclusive to letters, but I think letters specifically do um, suffer from some practices because most companies never offer letters a royalty, right? Like right, individuals right. would, but companies tend not to. And mm-hmm. um, then you know, like a lot of the volume jobs that one does towards the beginning of their career, like I mean. One might look back at them and feel like, you know what, I maybe shouldn't have done that because that <laughs> I, I was hungry at the time, but that's right. helped those people keep the industry rates down. Yes. Like, yeah, again, yeah, yeah. I could name names, I won't. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, well, that, that, I mean, that's the other thing. And that that's the same, you know, we, we I had the same experience. We had the same experience in, uh, you know, to reference like doing sort of corporate film stuff as well was... Um, as your rates go up, it, be, it, it almost to a client, it's like, well, that person's now uh, even cheaper than this person. Um, and so, like, if right. they can do the job, and it's not necessarily going to be, like, the same quality, of course, that's the po- I guess is the point. Um, but if it's a quality that the business can go, like, well, I can reconcile my <laughs> like myself with that quality, yeah. then it's always going to drive the bottom the bottom floor down. And that's that's the problem is... As people as people want to break in, and again, this is not this is like this isn't this is this argument isn't a comics related argument. It's a general, usually mostly on the same creative arts. related argument. It's a capitalist related argument. Is the more that more the more and more people that want to get into this thing, the more and more they will drive those rates down to begin with to get in so that they can get a foothold in that market. Yeah. Um, and you know, I I I did this. I did the exact same thing when I first started doing. Uh, film work is i i I would drop the rate my rates i could get the work in the first place yeah but then you quickly learn that it it, it sounds like a sound strategy and it it sort of is because you will get work but the problem is then it becomes almost impossible to then see that person the person that hired you to get get them to see you as someone worth more than that exactly Um, like a lot of um uh, i remember like so um i like see i live in india right so i remember that when i was starting out i had a choice to make uh that like okay, I could be incredibly cheap and I could be the sort of uh, Indian stealing American job uh, kind of person. <laughs> or I could basically uh, say to myself that, okay, you know what? Here's the floor as I understand it in America and mm-hmm. I am not going to go below that. And that's partly for myself and partly because I recognize that overall industry health would be uh, harmed if I offer like legit rock bottom rates, you know? So I, yeah, so I decided to kind of keep myself as cheap as I could, uh, but while kind of uh, like, while sort of matching other people's rates. Uh, Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. later on, I realized that, you know what, like it, um, like you should like rise as quickly as possible because, uh, you know, the idea that uh, you can charge more money from the same person is very fallacious. Uh, because right. a person who's used to like cheap labor will want cheap labor all the time. Yes. So yeah, yeah like so I I, I I probably don't work with a bunch of my early clients because of that because they kind of weren't able to see me as 
quality while still being cheap and then quality right. while being slightly more expensive yeah 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 so i realized they just no, saw me as cheap so yeah it 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 becomes that problem where you essentially build tiers into the industry uh as you go because if you if you enter that re- that space where someone's willing to pay you you know i don't know five dollars a page or something mm. um and then you 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 get to that point where you think like this is ridiculous like i can't this isn't feasible and also i'm worth i'm not worth this i'm worth more than this yeah what what happens is not that that person turns around and goes you're, you're right here's some more money they go okay i'll find that next person that'll do it for, for five bucks Exactly. And then, so you then, so then you have to go find that next one, and you're like, okay, well, maybe it's ten or whatever, and then you go find that next step level. But the people that are hiring you do not necessarily. Yeah, they don't move yeah, up. It's not exclusively. Yeah, they, they they don't move up. They stay where they are. So they find they just find someone else to do that with. Yeah. I've like I've been I've been looking at I've had a couple of experiences where editors have have moved with me. Editors have offered me more on on different projects yeah, yeah. after they've been happy with the work and things like that. But that, I definitely think that's more that you know that's more of an exception, not the rule. I think most of the time. If you probably went back, you know, you talked about like the people that you've moved on from. Mm-hmm. Chances are, if you maybe went back to them, they might still be kind of looking for people around the same price, as opposed to have have gone exactly. Yeah, I mean, these I'm were being people, yeah, but... like these were people who weren't willing to like raise uh, the rates, uh, right? Right. Uh, I I do remember though that uh, when, since you mentioned five dollars, like there was exactly one <laughs> job where I was offered five dollars, right? And uh, this was while I'd already kind of crossed uh, like. I'd already been freelancing for a year or so, so like five dollars yeah. was unthinkable for me. But I remember I wrote them a fairly reasoned email of why five dollars was unfair to anybody. Like I basically yeah. told them that look, I'm not taking this job at all. But also like you should not offer five dollars to anybody. Like that's that's yeah ridiculous. And they actually ended up offering me the sort of the lower tier of my actual rate because right. they were working from the assumption of oh like. We've had people say yes to this, so we assumed that this is a reasonable rate. It just took right. somebody saying no to for them to realize that oh, okay, you know what? We respect like we respect what you do, which is why we asked yeah. you, and yeah. we respect your pushback because nice. yeah. But I think I don't know how rare those people will be, but I know well, that I, I, I know that that won't happen if you accept the first job at five dollars. Right. Well, that so that I'll give you my anecdote similar to that. Right. Uh, so I was doing a job. I did the job for someone uh, that paid my rate, uh, and it was a pitch. So it was, it was like a handful of pages, like ten pages, something like that. Yeah. Um, and it got and then it got picked up by a small by a small publisher. Yeah. Um, and then the small and the small publisher then offered me said like this is the budget we've got for this lettering, and I and I said to him like well this is my rate like that isn't my rate. Yeah. Uh, it's, it was quite it was substantially you know a substantial fair bit lower than that. Unfortunately, not unfortunately. Unfortunately, this is more of my maybe my. Uh, my mindset drilled into me by an Algerian dad, but for me, it's like I'd started that project right. and I don't, I didn't want to finish it. Now, someone else who worked on that project did drop out. Right. So, someone else that wasn't the artist or the writer who was working on it said, I, I can't do those rates. Like, that's that's ridiculous. Yeah, I think that's the sunk cost fallacy where, like, you're like, okay, you have I should have done that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, no, like, I should have, I should have done the same thing. Uh, but I, but I liked, I liked the, I liked the team. I liked the people that were working on it. Yeah. And I'd sort of felt like, you know, I've, I've put like, 10 pages so it was about a sixth of the book so i've like i've done a sixth of the book already and i don't i don't like the idea of someone else coming in and doing the rest if mm. they don't do it like i you know what i mean it's one of those things it's like it's it's, if it's gonna have my name and i want my name it i want it to, to be responsible for the whole thing yeah, um yeah. and that was one where i went back to them and i said look this is not my right but look i'm gonna do it because i just want to finish this book and then they they emailed me about another book as well later on and they offered me that exact same low rate and i was like right. i've already explained i've already explained to you I, that i did this 
it, for this one specific reason. So I think more likely than not, you'll find the people just sit at that level. And if you don't want to do it, they'll find someone else who will. Right. Yeah. yeah. I think, yeah, I think, um, uh, I think we think that l- we can tell people that, you know what, I'm making an exception this time, but next time it has to be better. Uh, except yeah. people don't remember the fact that you stole them, that people just remember the experience itself. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and I don't yeah. think it, I, I think this is just human. Like you just remember what the latest thing that happened, rather than like the earliest thing that happened. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I've like it's been a learning experience that I don't kind of do that anymore. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even even from like very nice people, it's just it's just human. It's just people don't remember. I think it's you just right. have to reconcile yourself with the fact that uh, you gotta treat like you gotta basically set up how people should treat you. Right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, let's like let's get this topic nailed down then. Because uh, this right. topic so is I about think, yeah, like, retiring. I think <laughs> we drifted off into just bitching about <laughs> uh, <laughs> No, I think that's. I do think it's important to talk about though, right. and it is. I feel like we can see more and more people doing it now on like Twitter or whatever. But I do think it's important just to just to be upfront about about this sort of stuff because it's some. This is all like the money things and the kind of business stuff is always i feel like is always the first thing that people don't want to talk about but i think it's probably yeah and worth also i think uh, discussing. Uh, yeah i think uh, comics is specifically uh, uh, you know an arena that people get into because they like it like i mean uh, film and stuff it's still like you know you people earn money out of it so like i can see somebody getting <laughs> right. into it because like you know there's money there but comics mm-hmm. is literally like almost everybody that i know has gotten into comics because they i uh, either like read them as kids or like discovered um, them as adults and there's a right. lot of sort of like childlike thinking associated with it that you don't want to like sully the arts uh, <laughs> with stock of money and all of those things right. so I think a lot of people are fairly reluctant to talk about money in those uh, mm-hmm. terms so I think it might be useful for non-letters as well perhaps yeah um, yes yeah, yeah like some people like I, I mean like People don't always realize that other people are just taking advantage of them. And that right. doesn't make the other people bad people or anything like that. It's just that, you know, the way the the way things are set up, it's fairly easy to kind of get that. Because, because we don't have unions and all of those things, um, mm-hmm. almost every freelancer is going to deal with a company on their own. They don't really have a backup. They don't have um, other people telling them this is how much you should be charging, um, right. you know, all of those things. So it mm-hmm. is, I think, useful for us to disseminate that information. Like, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I'm, again, not going to name names, but I recently uh, was talking to a fairly, like, senior letterer, and uh, they told me how much they got per page, and I was like, I have gotten that on a couple of books. It's ridiculous <laughs> that you are being paid that much after, like, right. 30, 40 years in the industry. And right, right. then, like, they were like, you know what? I, I remember that when digital started, like, the rates went down. And I never figured that they got, went up again. Right. So they were just charging, like, a ridiculously low rate, considering the quality of their work and just their name. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Okay, well, so that, so that leads into it, then. So 30 years from now, Bidi, <laughs> how, how do you get out? Um. Right. So, so this is, this is something that I like, it's, it's massive fingers crossed thing because I think at this point, um, what I'm trying to do is kind of, uh, like divide my time working and Mm -hmm. spend like 68% of it on actual, like 
sitting down and executing stuff and right. 40% on of it on like managing my career essentially right right, right. and i remember that uh, when i started out in the in freelancing uh, one of my closest friends who's like a lot more money minded than i am he he basically mm-hmm. told me that look uh, there's going to be a point when either you've reached the number of books that you can do every month or um, you've kind of gotten bored or like because it's it's a quite a laborious process after all lettering like uh, mm-hmm. let's mm-hmm. say you do 20 pages per day for 22 days a month that's 440 <laughs> pages a month into 12 months right so that's a lot of pages to be doing it can yeah, get tedious. Yeah. so yeah he kind of kept asking me to keep in mind that uh, at some point of time i would have to figure out how to uh, keep doing the same amount of work and continue to get more money as i went because mm-hmm. it, I, because at the very least the amount of money you earn has to keep up with inflation right right so the suggestions that he offered i was not willing to take uh, but that got me thinking on different things that I could be doing. And what I realized that, um, let's say something like font design. Font design is mm-hmm. something where you create a font once and it keeps earning for you, right? Right. Uh, as long as it keeps creating value. Because people don't pay for your work. People pay for the value that they get. Yeah. Right. So, like somebody like Nate, I, I mean, I don't know how much he earns or whatever, but uh, like, let's say a $25 font, if 100 people buy it, that's $2,500 right there. While mm-hmm. uh, if I make a font and I only I use it, then it's right. literally adding uh, only perceptual value. It's not actually adding any yes. financial value is what I realized. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The first two fonts I created, I was very zealous about like, you know what, I'm not going to sell them. I'm only going to use them on my own books. And then mm-hmm. I did that. And it's just I realized that only I care about this. <laughs> Nobody else cares. Right. So, right. so those two fonts I'm probably going to keep to myself. Uh, but I'm yep. going to like uh, start designing fonts uh, on a more regular basis. And mm-hmm. hopefully I'll kind of set up a shop at some point of time. And uh, I mean, obviously I am uh, a rank newbie compared to uh, Nate and his competition. Uh, but I'm hoping that I can add something specific, something distinctive to the field. And right. that might be something that I could kind of continue earning off. The other thing is that I'm going to be taking on more projects that pay me royalties. Mm-hmm. Again, as a sort of a punt on the future. Right. Like, right. I, I will be risking essentially that, okay, you know what, this project might not make money. Uh, on the other hand, it might. And I'm also investing in other people's careers that I believe in by doing that to a degree. Right. 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 And the third one is actually that one of the reasons that I started writing a little more is that not in terms of royalty, but I was like, you know what, I don't know if um, like lettering is necessarily a place to express your individual um, sort of, uh, not personality exactly, but like your individual creative drive. Right. And I think that I should at least be taking some sort of risk on my own individual creative drive as I do on a couple of writers or yeah. artists' uh, creative drive. Right. So that's my current, I wouldn't say it's a plan, it's just uh, it's literally it's literally <laughs> me throwing three balls into the air and we will figure right. out which one lands. Uh, but at least right. it's me starting out. I think. I think. Yeah, I think. I think diver- diversifying is is like a sm- it's a smart thing. I think no matter what you do, right. um, is not just going like I, I'm just going to do this one thing forever. See, I don't like because the mo- the moment that one thing falls apart, you're you're kind of 
you know, yeah. you're in a difficult situation. Yeah, but I, on the other hand, I don't, I don't like the idea of diversifying too much. Uh, right. Because I think the so, sort of the current gig economy encourages you to do that. Uh, Mm-hmm. But then I think you are spreading yourself a little too thin in some ways. Uh, like, right. so rather than doing six things that pay me uh, X amount of money, I would rather do like two to three things that I will hope pay me a total of six X money. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I got you. You know, so, uh, because, so I like the, the idea for me is to resist uh, the ongoing tide and try to figure out what, what I believe in, essentially. Right. Uh, I got you. You know? Yeah, so. I think for me, for me, the thing that I always got told uh, for when I first started doing film stuff was, um, okay, so the way you figure out what your rate, that was always the question, is like, how do I know what I'm worth? Right. Uh, and it's not, it's not so much a question of what you're worth as so much it is a question of what your time is worth. Hmm. Um, and that's, firstly, that's to you, and then it's that's to someone else to agree with you <laughs> or not agree with you. Yeah. Um, but what the, 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 the real simple hard and fast rule was, figure out how long, how many, how many days or, the, or whatever. So if you take a standard day to be eight hours, mm. uh, how, how many days a year do you want to work? Right. And then how much do you need to earn? So within those, that earning is, is a lot of complicated things. Right. Like how much is your, your rent or your mortgage? How much are your bills? Uh, how much, how, what, do you want, what else do you want to spend money on? How much do you need for that? How much do you need to put away in like a savings mm. uh, for retirement or whatever? How much do you need to pay for, if you need to pay for insurance or blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So you kind of have to figure out all these like really boring elements of your life and go like, okay, you've, you, and then you come to a sum and you're like, that's really, to live the life I'd be like, that my perfect happiness <laughs> level. Uh, that's how much I need to earn, and then you kind of figure out, okay, so how how much like how many days a year do I want to do I want to work? Yeah. Uh, and you're obviously being realistic, like apart from not just saying like one day, mm-hmm. uh, but going like, okay, well maybe I only want to work like three days a week, mm. uh, which would be oh that'd be amazing. So then you take those three days a week and you go, how many days is that in a year? And you divide it by that, and essentially then you go, okay, well every every single day I need to be earning X amount of money. Right. Um, and that's and it's 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 useful. And then, and then suddenly you realize how unuseful it is because you go, oh, shit, that's loads of money. Mm. That's impossible. So then you start <laughs> compromising with yourself. And you're like, okay, I'll do four days. And you like redo the calculation. Like, oh, yeah. shit, that's still, still loads of money. Um, but, it, but that's a good thing. I always think it's like a good thing to aim for because you can, you can figure out, okay, like that's where I need to get to. And so how do I get there? And, and that's when you can start figuring out like, okay, well, I know that this thing brings me in this amount of money and maybe I could do this thing. And with royalties, I could bring that up to that, blah, 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 blah. Um, so that, that's always been like what my vague, my sort of vague uh, uh, retirement plan is, is to go like, I know I'm going to need this much money and then like an X percentage on top to sort of save towards uh, not really wanting to ever have to work again. Yeah. Um, but that's, I'm still, you know, I'm still quite a ways off from, from making that that level of money a reality. Right. Uh, but that's that, but it's to get how to get there is 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 uh, is almost impossible to figure out. I think that's that was I realized that was a, in my head. I was like, "What are you going to say as your answer to how to do that?" And in my head, I was like, "I don't know." <laughs> uh, no, but I think I think like, you've, I don't think it's a very useful. Ending. I, th- I think you've given me a like you've given me good advice about how to plan uh, this year because. Um, now, now that I'm trying to think about like the future, I am. Mm-hmm. I have been sort of worried about like, okay, so will I keep earning enough money now uh, if I do right. all of that? And you've just given me the calculations to figure that out. Like you just given me okay, <laughs> like so 2019 and 2020. Uh, I know, I know, I will know how much I need to earn, uh, mm-hmm. and then I can make sure that 
or like i can try to make sure that uh, i still get to spend enough time planning for the next thing uh, yeah. you know so like i think i think with when you have a, a rough idea as per project i think that's a lot easier to figure out like uh like like when it came to like video uh you know i, I had my day rate so you can't you're kind of working backwards but you you've got your day rate and then you've got your what you, your your yearly target sort of right. thing and if you divide that by that, then you work out how many days, essentially. Okay. That, like, that's the kind of, the, 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 I suppose, the right or the less dreamlike way of figuring it out. Um, and with lettering, you can kind of do that. You know, if you figure out roughly how much you get paid per book, you can kind of divide the book by the amount you need. Yeah, yeah. And then you can go, okay, that's, you know, I don't know, that's 100 issues or whatever. <laughs> and then you're like, okay, so so that's 100 issues over 12 months is, I don't know, whatever that is, eight, eight books a month or something yeah, like that. Yeah. Um, and so you can figure that out and you can get to that point and, it's it's also then getting into that mentality of going well if I hit eight books yeah. then don't just take another four on uh, because you can you could just go well I know that I'm ha- I'm at that level that I'm sort of yeah that's happy that's with. the that's the that's the thing that I'm having a lot of trouble with that I've kind of consciously decided to cut down on work and every right. time every time somebody offers me something I'm like oh I really want to work with them. <laughs> Uh, so I, I I don't take it up though, but it's it's quite difficult to resist. It, it's quite difficult to say to myself that you know what, uh, uh, you don't need to do this. But I think if I do that calculation that you just suggested, it'll be a mm-hmm. lot easier to tell myself that you know don't don't do this, don't take this one. Right, right. Hopefully, fingers crossed. You, so you, the, you the just summation. gave me actual advice. <laughs> I, I am I'm full. I'm surprised. full of like really. No, I'm full. I'm I'm full of really specific, uh, like business advice. After having like run one for a while, that that yeah. no one. Uh, yeah, I remember, I that, remember that when that I was, went, yeah, I remember when I started font design, you were like really like clack 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 with your advice, and I was like, oh, that's that's <laughs> a lot more confident about things than I've seen has. <laughs> <laughs> that's the one thing I'm. That's the one thing I can be confident in. But it's 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 one of those weird things because I remember when I spoke to you about it, and I spoke to a couple of other people that work in comics. Yeah. Um, about things that I kind of learn as, because my it's not like it was, I was running like a particularly big business. Mm. Uh, you know, there was it was, it was like three people. Yeah. Um, but you you learn a lot having to like manage three people every single day and manage uh, like business, uh, like business incomes and outgoings and things like yeah. that, uh, and and contract stuff and all that kind of stuff. And then when you get into comics, I think that was what I found kind of almost like refreshing about getting into comics was no one seemed to have much of that mentality, mm. um, which was nice after doing it for like eight years. Yeah uh it was but then also sometimes like you know like when we've spoken about stuff and i think sometimes or not not you someone else who i don't want to mention specifically <laughs> uh who you probably know what i'm on about yeah. um but, there, but like there was some problems there mm. with with kind of like relationships with a uh, someone that was hiring them yeah. and i was like you need to just do this and this and this and it'll be resolved <laughs> immediately yeah uh and that thing was still went on for ages <laughs> and i'm like just do this thing okay I'm, I'm gonna like, i'm gonna confirm uh this with you because i think i might have given them a similar advice right time right, and, right. Yeah. so it's just it's just do this thing and it'll be fine yeah. uh but it's but it's obviously like you mentioned it earlier about um you know when you said when people give you royalties it tends to be just because they're being friendly and you don't you don't necessarily normally get that and like i didn't find we got that when i was working uh you know, more business to business stuff, people didn't tend to want to be friendly as a, a first instinct. Right. Um, and because comics tend to be quite friendly, then the, it almost like breaks down those barriers. Uh, and like, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm bad at it now as well. Um, but yeah, there, the, I, I always found it interesting. Like when I spoke to you about, uh, you kind of, we were chatting about figuring out rates and, and um, contracts and not contracts, but like uh, rights usages and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, 
and yeah it's it's i i find that stuff really fascinating but it's not um it's also really dry and boring (laughs) yeah and i think uh i think to a large degree like people don't want to do them because they're boring but the thing is they uh if you don't do them they stay boring if you do them you realize that you know what it's actually not that difficult and it doesn't actually take up as much time as you think Uh, Like uh, when when I so so uh, before this uh, freelancing, I used to work for Mm -hmm. a comic book company in India as an editor and letterer and manager, sort of like you know production manager. Right. And uh, I basically took a call that uh, I did not like managing people. I did not like uh, Mm -hmm. you know having to call people like eight times a day and figure out where are my pages, where are my pages. Uh, (laughs) So uh, I was like, you know what, I'm going to use the manager skills that I learned, like the meager skills that I learned. And I was going to use them to manage myself. And Mm -hmm. the big thing that I have to do that I was having difficulty was basically sitting down and uh, creating a worksheet and then invoicing when it was relevant. Right. And once, I think like three months in, I realized that, oh, I figured that out now. I have gotten into the (laughs) habit. And now that particular portion of my brain doesn't have anything to do because it was actually a lot simpler (laughs) than I thought before I started. Right, right. So it's just, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm still a little bit shit at invoicing, but at least like <laughs> whenever I look at my bank balance, I feel like invoicing, so it's fine. It yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's usually a good way to spur it. <laughs> so in terms of like, uh, so to sum this up, to sum up the topic of retirement strategies. No, but wait, um, yeah, I, don't, I don't necessarily think we've talked about retirement strategies themselves. Like, Not retirement strategies, but like, what are you working towards right. to make it sustainable, cool. I guess? So what yeah, about you? Yeah. You didn't answer that. Uh, that's a good question because I don't have a good answer. Mm. Um, for, I, I, for me, it's it's say, it's always saving. So this was, this was just like a thing. And I don't know if it's just like a – it could maybe it's like a northern working class dad thing or maybe it's like an immigrant dad thing or maybe it's just a dad thing. Um, but that was, a, that was always a thing that my dad – uh, always, always, always would, would want to drill into me was like, don't spend, you know, it's really, it's really simple, just practical advice, but it's like, don't spend money that you don't have, right. which is obvious, obvious. Yeah. Um, and yet people still do. Yeah. Uh, so don't spend money you don't have, uh, always put a, a, a percentage of your, every time you get paid, and I, I don't, I'm still not great at this, but I try to be, a, I try to be decent at mm-hmm. it, like uh, is every time you get paid, that's not money. So don't look at that as money, look at that as uh a percentage is going to have to go for taxes anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but from that, what you get post-tax, he, uh, his, his rule was half, but that I don't like, uh, maybe that was okay. Like 20 years ago. Yeah. But his, his rule was always take half and put half away and then you can have your half. Um, and that, and he was like, if that half's not enough, then you'll just need to do more. <laughs> so that's maybe that's where the mentality comes from for me. Um, but half is a lot but i I don't so i don't do half but i try and do a you know i try and make sure there is a a buffer of stuff and over time i try and increase that buffer as much as possible and it means like it means i kind of um maybe more uh like uh i don't know stingy than i need to be at Mm. certain times of the year um but it, but it's it's for it, it's it's for a reason. Like I don't I don't. But also I don't really spend money on I don't really spend much money on things generally anyway. Right. Um, but it's I try to do that. So savings is my thing. Is like I just I try and make sure that I there is some money that goes away in a in an account to just because I at some point something's going to go wrong or at some point I won't be able to if you know if, if I can't work for a while or whatever. And if none of that happens and I am perfectly fine, then I've got a bank of money. 
um, that will grow over time. And that's my thing that allows me to kind of relax as I get older. Right. But that's, it's, it's nothing sexy or, you know, no, but or anything the, the like that. It's just... isn't. Like the, I think uh, as, as I grow older, what I realize is that uh, what actually creates change in your life is not big changes, but several small ones. Right. And uh, like, and it's usually the unsexy ones. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I used to be like, I, I was legitimately a lazy ass when I started working at the age of like 20. Right. Uh, and it was like literally years of failing and picking myself up that got me mm-hmm. to a point where now I don't suck at scheduling. Like I, I am okay. <laughs> right, I right. okay. But it, yeah. yeah, but it was like several, like just, just, you got to just keep doing it. It's that one little check mark every day mm-hmm. that kind of helps. And I need to tackle finances at some point. Like my, my, my savings plateaued like a year and a half ago. And I've literally right. spent everything I earned after that. Like, so my, like that's <laughs> right. literally, it's, it's literally the exact same amount still. Like it hasn't increased. Uh, yeah, at yeah. All. Uh, but like, uh, the thing is, I'm like, there's no, what I've realized over time is that there's no point being unkind on myself or like beating myself up about this. And it's just that, Oh, okay you need to figure out at some point how to do this and it has to be in small ways because yeah. you tried the big ones and they don't work well the, the the thing is it's like it's i i i would say don't obviously don't beat yourself up about it because the thing is it's like as long as you start doing it at some point yeah. and this is the thing that again my dad would say this to me but my dad would stress the second point which i'll say in a sec <laughs> but as long as, as long as as long as you start doing it you will create the buffer like as long as you start figuring out a way to like save a a, a section of money and even if it's not like even if it's not like a regular amount, like even if on on each new invoice it doesn't have to be the same amount of money yeah. or whatever. But if there's something, you'll always you'll always be bumping that thing up. Now the the second part, which my dad would would always tell me, was, but if you start it sooner, it's better. <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, no, but I think that's that's an interesting way of doing it because uh, there was a time when I had a salary, and mm-hmm. uh, people told me that you know whenever you get your salary, just put like x amount of it out out there. And yeah. the thing is, I never did it when I was actually earning a salary. Uh, but now that <laughs> right. I invoice and I get invoices on random days, I could actually just, whatever I've gotten in the last invoice, I could just put some of that out. Because now I have the, I think I have the wherewithal to do that. Except I didn't yeah. don't have a salary to work with, except I have other things that I can work with. Like, yeah, like every time, every time I make a, um, so basically I get paid in dollars and then that get, gets converted to rupees, right? So yeah. every time it gets converted, I have to go into my worksheet and write the conversion rate that I got so that I can translate the dollar right. amount into rupee amount. I could just open mm-hmm. up another window and just transfer like a bunch of that money out. Somewhere. Yeah. That's yeah. a good idea. Shit. You're, you're well, just, you're just blowing my thing. mind right now, man. No, no, when you, also when you uh, so for example when you've worked out that, that that monthly amount you need to earn, yeah. right? So we know we talked about like getting the what I want to earn in a year is this. Yeah. Uh, and what and so you just divide that by 12 and blah 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 so essentially if you got if you have a running total of that so say you have one month where you get like you know like six books get paid that month or whatever right. the six invoices that come in yeah. and it turns out that actually you've hit like 125 percent of your what you need for that for that month right then you don't you don't put the the 25 percent extra into you you put that away separately somewhere right. else because you just don't need that Correct. um and it's it's that thing it's like it's not like a it's it's this is very much like how my dad <laughs> would explain finances to me, but it's not that that twenty five percent is now like oh bonus money this month I can go on splurge on something right. else. It's that twenty five percent just put that away because that's in, in five or six years anyway, that twenty. So... 
yeah, and that 25% in five or six years, that might be really important to you. And also, you know, if you can put it into a savings account, then it's going to generate money for you anyway. Right. Um, yeah, you, this is all, this is all, I'm, I, I sound like my dad. <laughs> no, but here's the interesting <laughs> thing. Like, that's that's great because, um, like, my uh, my sort of instinctive attitude towards life is always that <laughs> if I get something, I earned it, and therefore I earned the right to spend it. So, like, right, which, yeah, which, yeah. which is why, even though I work out, I've not been able to keep my weight off because every time I sit down to eat, I gorge myself because I feel I've earned it. <laughs> <laughs> because I want right right you, you yeah. know so that's that's the way with money as well that like if i got 25 percent more i'd be delighted and i would be like i really earned this and then i would go yeah, and spend yeah. it on something i mean there is the other you can look at it the other way which is i'm sure someone listening to this is going to be like nah my philosophy <laughs> is like you work for that thing spend that thing you'll always be able to earn more money which is also true yeah um no but, but that's like that's always in that is not actually true yeah, yeah, okay. But like, there is an element of that idea that can yeah. work. Which, which is how I've led like my 20s people. and they, that's led me nowhere. So uh, <laughs> right, I, can, right. I can testify that that doesn't work, people. Right. <laughs> but yeah, that's if you ever want like uh, if you ever want financial advice from the, the son of an Algerian, then just let me know. Um, my dad, my dad would love. This is a whole separate topic, but my dad had loads of, or still has loads of, um, loads of like you know like uh, anecdotal. Uh, like Home like business wisdom. books. Okay, no, okay. Yeah, but the the one was the one was always. I feel like my dad got ninety nine percent of his financial wisdom from. I think the book is called The Richest Man in Babylon or something. Right. Um, which I think is a fairly famous book about uh, like financial uh, sustainability, and it's um, it's. I think I if I remember this right, yeah. if I remember it right, it's like a story of a man who you know went from nothing to having money, and it's like I don't even. I think I'm pretty sure it's fictional. <laughs> Someone's listening to this going, yeah, yes, Hassan, I, that's a fake story. Yeah, I think it's basically um, the alchemist except for money. Right. So that, but I think all of that stuff that, that my dad taught me, like take a percentage, you take half of your paycheck. I think all of that, like, right. Okay. I just, I just read the Wikipedia the page of this and I can actually like just read all the advice out. So like, uh, there you go. Yeah, we, we, we are solving everybody's money problems through this. Um, <laughs> so a part of all you earn is yours to keep. Yeah. So that's basically one. Then, yeah. okay, everything else is written in very archaic, archaic language, so I'm not reading that stuff. Uh, but like, <laughs> you can, people just can, people can just look this up, and the Wikipedia page has all the things there. So, you, you but that, 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 that. that's the fundamental one. That is the for me, that's a fundamental one. Like, if you want to pr- be prepared for the future, yeah. Uh, and especially like, I mean, I don't know what the situation is like there, and I don't know what the situation is like in America. I'm pro- I think it's probably worse in America. But here it's like retirement age is just going up and pensions are getting worse. Yeah. Uh, and so you have to be, especially in an industry where, where I don't have like a private pension or whatever. Yeah. Uh, no one, like no one's paying my, no one's paying into my pension pot yeah. when I hand in a comic book. Um Apart from the government, and I'm not, not really doing a huge amount, putting uh, putting a huge amount in there. So right. I think you do, like at some point, you do have to be realistic about what what are, what are you going to need in the future. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, that's my, my my financial advice from the richest man in Babylon, past to my dad, past to me, is work work out, um, you know, work out what you want to to live off of, and then figure out how much you need to earn every month to do that, and then just everything anything above that you can just put you can put up. That's nice. Um, I'm going to try and do that. Let's see. Let's see that. Yeah, let me know how it goes. You might have just figured out my retirement plan for me, so there you go. (laughs) (laughs) Don't spend everything you get. Okay. That's. I mean, it's simple advice. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
well, that's. I feel like that we've solved retirements now. Yeah, I think we've solved money as well, economy. Yeah, we've, okay. <laughs> we've solved all, all of money issues, everyone's yeah. money problems. So basically, uh, uh, basically, the tenth episode of like letters and lines is going to be the final one because we'll have solved everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's canon now. That's that's <laughs> that's happening. Um, no, no, well, I, I, uh, I want to do this more. Like, I don't want to stop at ten. <laughs> well, there'll be problems, Biddy. There'll always be problems for us to solve. Don't worry. <laughs> exactly. New people um, will create new problems. That was good. I, d- I forgot about all this. This is all stuff that I kind of just end up doing. I forgot about all this as financial wisdom that, uh, from my dad. Nice. Um, so it's good to bring that back up. Nice. Uh, well, hopefully we've solved we've solved some of your retirement plans as well. <laughs> uh, this, this episode. Um, but uh, but thanks for checking out this week's Letters and Lines with Aditya and me. Uh, you can find the podcast at all the usual places that you can find podcasts uh, like iTunes. We're also on SoundCloud and I'm, I'm sure iTunes feeds into other things that you will know about and are already using because you're listening to this. So where can people keep up with you? Oh, hey, you can keep up with me. I'm on Twitter at Hassan Oe. Uh, plus check out Strip Panel Naked on YouTube and you can uh, get my Eyes on Nominated magazine at panelxpanel.com. And you can keep up to date with me on Twitter at Aditya B and on my website at aditya And thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.